Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the Create Me Podcast. Yeah, so this is going to be episode 80 and it's with local creative and all-round talented individual Andrew Davidson. We speak about his new project, Fraser Brown Film and much more. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and I'll catch up with you at the end. All right, see you soon. Hello and welcome to the Craving Podcast. This is going to be episode 80 and I'm at the Natrium Studio Space. And today my guest is Andrew Davison. How's it going, man? Good. Not too bad. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. No worries, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously I know you anyway. Are we pretending we don't know each other? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we pretend we don't know each other? Yeah. No, like, yeah, you, you know, just finished a massive undertaking, um, Fraser on film. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was released yesterday, Monday the 2nd yeah. of December. So yeah, we'll definitely get into that and obviously much more because you're definitely a well-travelled guy. You've been up to loads of stuff. Yeah, so, a few things. Yeah, yeah, a few things <laughs> that I just kind of found out yesterday, like reading the Press and Journal. Right. Yeah. I was um, the expose, all, all lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't you that did that, did you? You sent someone there. I just wrote the article. <laughs> so yeah, like, Andrew, just for... Um, the listeners, like, just going to little give a brief overview of yourself and how the kind of um, Facebook and film project kind of got started. Um, well, it's the most recent thing I've done. It was, I just uh, did a master's in um, information and library studies, where you sell, tell people you did library studies, it's kind of their eyes glaze over a little bit. Okay. But I appreciate that. <laughs> like, I've actually worked for the public library mm. uh, on and off for a number of years, so it was mm. something I was kind of interested in. But I'm, I've always kind of had an interest in local history mm-hmm. kind of side. Um, and my background, I've kind of got a mixed background of stuff. Like I've got a degree in media and worked in that for a little bit. So when it came to do my final project, like instead of finding something about library-related things and writing an essay and doing a study about that, I decided to kind of combine all my interests together and create, like, a... No, I didn't create the archive. It's like I kind of made an archive, so I took a lot of stuff from, like, the northeast of Scotland, because I'm from Fraserburgh, Mm -hmm. and kind of put it all together in one place so people could kind of look at it and look at the old films from the northeast. Um, As part of my course, I... Did like work experience in the National Library, mm-hmm. which they've got like a new film archive in Glasgow, so it's like the moving image archive. So, like, going down there was fascinating. So it's all like a lot of it's amateur film okay. stuff from people in Scotland, I just locals, yeah. Um, all over Scotland right. is in the archive there, so it's stuff people have filmed and maybe at the time thought it was insignificant, but looking back now, it's like a moving. Uh, like like a moving documentary of a time in the past yeah. because it's like a snapshot of the past mm-hmm. and obviously people have got photographs and things but I think well for me anyway seeing a moving image actually just brings something to life and you can yeah. see how see how things work so that yeah. was kind of the inspiration behind kind of doing that but doing it specifically for the northeast of Scotland that's yeah. what I kind of thought Right. Is it is it just focusing on on the Fraserburgh community or was it just different places in the Shire? Um, well, it's kind of Fraserburgh and roundabout. Mm-hmm. What um, I was kind of lucky because it's another funny story as well. I don't know. It sounds weird when I tell it to people, but <laughs> like I was lucky because it's like my dad's relative. Um, it's my dad's grandmother, so my great grandmother, and was sisters with. Jim's grandmother. Okay. So whatever relation that is, so he's somehow related to me. 
So this guy, no, okay. Jim Taylor. Oh, Jim Taylor. So okay. Jim Taylor. Well, actually, he's Jim Taylor, but like we always called him Bert. Okay. But his name's James Bertram Taylor. Oh, okay. But we always knew him as Bert. But then it turns out I was going out to see him mm. and call him Bert. But it turns out everyone's always called him Jim. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but he thought it was funny. Oh, I didn't always call you him, anything. No, not at the time. But then yeah. later he was saying, oh, if, it's fine. But if you credit yeah. me anywhere, call me Jim. Oh, okay. But it's irrelevant. But anyway, yeah. my dad's a... My dad's second cousin or whatever, Jim, he is like a really fascinating character yeah. because he um, started recording oral history in the Northeast mm-hmm. um, from the 1960s. Right. So he was like always really interested in, in preserving stories and mm-hmm. so that nobody else was doing it. So just uh, as an amateur, he started recording oral history in like a reel-to-reel tape. Mm-hmm. And then he moved into filming... Uh, video interviews from the 80s onwards. So he kind of captured this archive of like hundreds of hours of interviews with people, like people who were involved in the fishing industry and just kind of stories from the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So he has been slowly putting them on YouTube, but um, I kind of spoke to him because I was thinking about making a website for this and maybe trying to find other things. But he was kind of the main inspiration behind doing it because it's just... I don't think there are many other towns in Scotland that can say they've had somebody that's captured all these interviews mm-hmm. and have so many stories just kind of ready to go. Yeah. Because I think you see now programmes of people trying to do that and record oral history now, yeah. but he kind of recorded it in the 80s, so a lot of the people he talked to were born at the turn of the 19th century or born in the oh, 18th century, right, right, so he's yeah. still got like their stories. And at that time, obviously, in, in the fishing industries, round about Fraserburgh, it was people who saw so many changes because there were so many changes from that time through yeah. the second world first and second world war right up to modern times that changed so much and they kind of like lived through it all I guess it was so, been quite a thriving phase where fishing community way way back in the day then aye yeah. it always was yeah. and I think it's interesting because you can kind of learn about it from these people talking about their experiences mm-hmm. so instead of just reading interviews and looking at photographs or whatever you can actually hear their voices and their experiences yeah. so that's why I was kind of inspired to do it, just to kind of create a space where people could look at all these films, because it's something that I'm interested in, yeah. and then it's kind of, I think, other people might find it fascinating as well. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the inspiration behind it. So yeah. that's like a really regular <laughs> <laughs> yeah. question. But, yeah. um, so I decided to do that uh, as part of my, well, it was my dissertation project. Yeah. So I managed to kind of combine everything and, create a little archive and so you've been doing this then for me I know like I remember like you know speaking to you about that in like you know and before and it must have been like a quite massive undertaking as oh. well like it's also like so where do you kind of first start off you know like we think all right this is where I'm going to start and stuff you know from making those links with the locals or going over to like Fraserburgh and also thinking about whether, well, I'm thinking about, like, how do you kind of fund this as well? Mm. And the steps for that. And then also kind of, like, you know, that, having that time to kind of edit all that stuff together. So how does that kind of start? Like, so one point I was going to start middle and end, kind of. Um, I guess, well, from the initial idea, I had, like, this massive thing that I was going to uh, put out a huge thing in Fraserburgh and mm. say, like, if anyone's got anything on 8mm or Super 8 film yeah. or 16mm and VHS in analogue formats, I'll kind of digitise it all and do all that and put it all on there. And uh, speaking to my uh, lecturer, uh, Peter Reid, uh, from Robert Gordon's, like, 
he was really helpful and told me maybe like this idea is good, but maybe try and take it down a little bit. Okay. So which was good advice because it was a massive undertaking for what I did and what I did, even though I'm really pleased with it from my initial idea was I was like all these massive ideas, like I'm yeah. going to create this huge archive with all this stuff and get people to come forward and then I'll make a film about it and then yeah. I'll like take all this stuff and put a film and then I'll try and get like people to record music around it. <laughs> it, was like, it, was like, it, was, it was like all these ideas. A feature film. <laughs> so I was never going to work. But then it was, it was just kind of like looking at the stuff that I got from Jim Taylor mm-hmm. And then kind of like going through it and kind of piecing it together and seeing what was relevant. Yeah. And also taking some of that and kind of editing it down because like his stuff, um, the stuff that he uploaded on YouTube is it's slightly longer. Okay. So I kind of like picked out some uh, main kind of points and put it on. But then I was lucky because it kind of like snowballed a little bit. And then I ended up getting... When other people heard about it, like some people did give me some films and I managed to digitise them and kind of like edit it all together. Yeah. So for me, like starting it, um, it was just kind of getting everything together mm-hmm. and then working out how to do it. But again, I had all this ambition. I was going to make a website and then when I went to do it, I realised I had no idea how to make a website. <laughs> so then <laughs> I found myself at the start of the summer having a project which I thought was due in at the end of November, but it was actually due in at the end of September, uh, trying to do all this and learn everything. Um, I just kept going. Yeah. But I was lucky because what I was doing was I found really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was something, it's like film editing and kind of like putting stuff together so it looks good and sound editing something that I've got experience in so I could kind of like combine these things together and it was just it was difficult to bring it all together it was basically working full time coming home yeah piecing together little bits (laughs) and doing it to all hours for months on end and it's it's funny isn't it when you do something like that and I guess like for me it's just like audio and then but you get really kind of intensely like passionate about it yeah so you kind of like zone yourself in. Like I know for me, like after work, I I'm going to the studio oh. and I'm going to do this or <laughs> do that. And yeah, that. no. And then sometimes you think of like, all right, this is not right, or I need to kind of change this, or you know, and it's it's really kind of like it gets really particular right. as well. So I, I was kind of asking like for you, like was there some bits you thinking like, actually I'm not going to put that in. It seems quite good, but it doesn't fit with the rest of this kind of like format so far. Um. There was one or two things. I tried to kind of include as much as I could. Mm -hmm. There was kind of like, I guess some parts, because some stuff I got, people had digitised already, but then they'd been digitised from analogue formats a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't actually do it from the original original reels myself. So it was like some of that stuff, uh, it's really, really interesting, but kind of the quality now compared to what, people might expect is not great Mm -hmm. but you kind of have to weigh up whether it's like the significance of it and kind of like whether the quality Mm -hmm. is like the major issue and it is sometimes but I pretty much included everything I found it though as you're saying it's like getting so involved in little things and kind of trying to make everything perfect I guess like sometimes I'd say uh, to Joe uh, 
she would like look at something and I would know it was kind of wrong, but I would like want her to say, no, it looks fine. But she'd be like, nah, you need to change it. And I was like, okay, but that means I've got to change like 200 things on it, like, because I've indexed it all wrong. But I knew that it looked yeah. not as good, so I'm kind of glad for that someone was actually pushing that right way to say, yeah. Hey, like maybe yeah change that yeah. Oh, and for some advice and like design and stuff it was good yeah. to kind of get yeah. guidance there but oh. oh that's really good and I think like for one thing I want to ask you like what kind of things kind of came out of the archive that you kind of that really surprised or interested you when you just kind of putting this all together Um there's a lot of things it's my uh, friend's uh, mum her father owned like an ice cream shop mm-hmm. Uh, in the high street and she just had a lot of stuff sitting in the house and was, my mum actually knew her from when she was younger mm-hmm. and went around and she was like oh yeah you could just take this but it was like fascinating it was stuff her father had filmed oh, so it was okay. like it was basically just Fraser in the 50s mm-hmm. and it was just there in colour and yeah so there was a, a casino in Fraser mm-hmm. and it was the opening evening of that uh, was on film maybe about a film that's about seven minutes long but it's just amazing seeing people in the town. Like, I, uh, my father, he grew up there, and, like, his father and people before all grew yeah. up there. So, for me, like, growing up and listening to my father's stories of, like, growing up in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and then actually seeing what it, likes, what it was like is amazing for me. Because one of the reasons, like, behind it as well is growing up in Fraser and it's a place that I like a lot, and it's got a lot of history, but... Like many places, it's seen a lot of changes over mm-hmm. the years. And even from when we were growing up, like when we were kids, it used to kind of be a holiday destination. So it had two caravan parks and people used to go up to Fraserburgh for their holidays. Yeah. And obviously now, nobody's really going up to Fraserburgh <laughs> on mass for holidays. But it's just, it's not nothing to do necessarily with the town, but it could be just... Just to change, like, the economic kind of change as well. Right. Yeah. So then, but then in the past, in the 50s and 60s, it was like a kind of like a holiday destination. Aye. And it was like the town centre, like many town centres, it was very busy and there was a sense of community. But maybe, I'm not saying that it's lost that, but maybe it's, you've seen changes Mm -hmm. uh, in that respect. And, uh, aye. So just to being able to see films of how it used to be and how it was and kind of relate these to the stories I've heard, uh, from my father and things, it was very interesting. Yeah. Because even though it's like a weird thing, nostalgia is a, a strange thing. Like, I feel nostalgic for that time, even though I never lived it. So even yeah. seeing those things, I feel a sense of nostalgia, even though <laughs> I was born in the 80s yeah. and it was nowhere near any time I was born. You kind of feel a sense of nostalgia through these stories. That, so Is that through, probably through your dad's stories then, you think, like you're connected to that? Aye. Because yeah. my dad's side, because uh, my mother, uh, she was, like they're from... Uh, like my granny's from Perthshire, mm-hmm. uh, but it's another, <laughs> another roundabout story, but yeah. my grandfather, he was a minister, right. and they used to uh, move around the country, so oh. just by chance, they were actually in Fraserburgh in the yeah. 50s as well, my mother and my aunt, and it was funny as well, because one of the sections of the film is like a a wedding, mm-hmm. beside Fraserburgh, the, there's like, Lady Flora, who's the Queen's cousin. Okay. So there's Cairnbog Castle beside Fraserburgh. Oh, yeah. So when she got married in the 50s, it was my grandfather who did the marriage ceremony. Oh, okay. Right. And it was filmed, one of the films on there was filmed by J.B. MacDonald. He owned one of the shops. Uh, John Bell MacDonald owned one of the shops in Fraserburgh. Mm-hmm. But he was like an amateur filmmaker as well, okay. and documentarian. 
So he would take uh, shots around the town and he filmed this wedding. So it was the Queen Mother and the Queen Ingrid of Denmark oh, was hi. there. But then also my grandfather's in it and also my mum and my aunt as children. So oh. it was amazing to see them oh, as cool. kids. Like yeah. My mum was about three or four. Oh, right. And also I was talking about uh, my friend's mum, whose uh, father owned the casino. Mm-hmm. Like They lived across from them. So just by chance, uh, there's like a parade going down the street and like my mother's in the background standing okay. on the wall. So for me, like finding stuff like that uh, was quite exciting because you're, it's discoveries. And that was kind of, as I was doing it, I was thinking, oh, if people can kind of get the same feeling that I got and seeing their relatives yeah. and things, it's like, that's an amazing thing to bring to people, like yeah, bringing stuff to life that they might not have seen before. I think as well, like, I think like for me, if you go for like old family pictures and you kind of like, because it's almost kind of like you've got the older generation who can pass on those stories about relatives you haven't known or kind of family events and stuff like that. So I think, you know, for you to kind of put all all of these kind of different memories and different kind of like this, you know, videos of what's been happening for different periods throughout Mm. the years. And that's really kind of really cool thing for for people to see. And I'm guessing you'll probably get a lot of feedback from maybe the bit of the older generation now. What was that feedback kind of been like? Um, Well... My dad, he's been scouring through it for months. Like, he's, he's really excited by it. Yeah. And it's good, but he, like, my dad is, like, I owe him a lot because he actually, my website, because mm-hmm. it's in the bro, yeah. I, I finished it and I got it graded and then I suddenly decided, it's like, oh, it'd be a good idea if I translated the whole thing into Doric yeah. as well. I saw so, that as well. There's, Doric, there's a Doric option on the website right. and an English option. Yeah. So it's like a, a dual language thing. So I kind of said to my dad, would you mind giving me a hand with this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, oh, just... If you copy it all into a Word document, I'll go through it. So I said, ah, it'll be fine. There's not many words on it. It's mainly media and yeah. photographs. So I ended up giving my dad a Word document that was like 13,000 words long. <laughs> I said, okay, let's get that translated. Was that an early Christmas present? <laughs> translated into Doric. But um, ah, he, he just went through it in like a matter of weeks and it was amazing. That's really and cool. it's like, that's one of the things as well, because it's like, um, ah, it's one of the things that has maybe got recognition as well with some of the, um, like the site's been endorsed by the Doric board. Oh, okay. Which was set up earlier this year to kind of promote the dialect. Yeah, uh, And they've kind of endorsed it based on that. So it's like, obviously I owe a lot to my dad in doing that and then that idea. But again, that's the thing we were talking about. It's like, I come up with these ideas and I was like, I'll just translate it into Doric, which means... Um, I'll have to mirror every single page yeah. on the website, re-index it, mm. copy and paste everything, change every link, and do it from there. So, yeah. ah, it was, but it's worth it in the yeah. end. It's yeah, like determination yeah. pays off. So, ah, absolutely. Fun. And I guess, like you know, um, now that the kind of the projects launched and stuff, like, is there anything you kind of thinking about that oh, maybe I could have done something a little bit differently, or are you kind of just happy you know, that it's out there for people to go view? Um, I know I'm happy yeah. with it being out there uh, the response it's only launched yesterday but the response has been amazing yeah um, it's maybe thanks to like the newspaper article and people sharing it on uh, social media and things but uh, I was amazed like last night I looked and there was about six and a half thousand views in the videos oh, okay. so it's like the Vimeo count so yeah. they've been viewed six and a half thousand times that's really cool and today only three thousand so <laughs> <laughs> So that's what you want, maybe a drop of 50% on the second day. But I understand that maybe because it was in the paper yesterday. Yeah. But um, 
it's just good to get a little bit of feedback so far. <laughs> like the idea behind the project was it wasn't going to just remain static. It's not just like here's the archive. There you go. No look more. at it. People, so, can, people can actually can people submit. Their, yes. Oh, brilliant. Ah, so that was the idea because it was kind of like looking at the like a community heritage because. If you're doing a heritage project or something like this about a community, not involving the community would seem kind of like counterproductive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what it was kind of all about. So um, the initial idea I had, I mentioned earlier, was when I was like asking people to submit stuff that will now hopefully be realised so people can kind of submit it and the archive will continue to grow because it kind of like adds a double narrative to the stories because there's these stories that are there from the past and people's interviews from the past, but then also there's a different layer of narratives and how people remember them and then their families and how they've got memories of them. Yeah. So it's like hopefully people can kind of add them in because mm-hmm. I recorded a few uh, just audio recordings of people okay. speaking about some of the films. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to do that as people kind of volunteer and say, oh, that's my grandfather. He, oh, brilliant. That's really good. I'll get in touch with them and go and record them so it's like you can hear them speaking yeah. about somebody within the, within the film. Um, also... Just today, I've had three offers of people who've got stuff that they would like to go on it as well. Oh, so other like films, cool. so yeah. that can possibly digitise and mm-hmm. kind of put on there as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out. But it's like I think it's like an ongoing project mm-hmm. for the time being because, hi, it's going to be like a community archive. It's not like I wanted to remove myself from it as much as possible. Like okay. I didn't really want. <laughs> you don't want the name association <laughs> pretty much <laughs> or like, and even the paper like up yeah. into my picture it's like I was more about actually thing. letting the archive speak for itself yeah. Right. yeah, which is to an extent I think a lot of folks say should take some credit or something but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, for me it's all mainly about the community and mm-hmm. I know like a lot of these things have been posted on YouTube or posted on social media but a lot of times they, they just kind of get lost mm-hmm. so it was to kind of create a space where the stuff uh, was kind of championed or where the value was kind of always there. So it was like people could see, oh, look, we've got this thing for the community and it is just like an amazing thing that we have. And this and is, they can take ownership of it. Aye. Yeah. And this yeah. is kind of like our story mm-hmm. and it's kind of there so other people can kind of see it and mm-hmm. kind of like know who some of the people were that lived there yeah. at some point or whatever. But, you know, and do you kind of hope that obviously that'll lead to other northeast kind of communities doing this for themselves as well? Um, yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that was kind of like um, nothing set in stone, but there's ideas being thrown around and yeah. stuff that maybe that's a possibility somewhere down the line. Okay. So I'll just see. It's like this is almost like a blueprint for something that could kind of mm-hmm. go on because there'll be stuff all around everywhere. Yeah. And now's the kind of time where, especially with stuff like like actual film you know like film reels like they people will find them but not have the projectors to play them on yeah, or yeah. methods to view them and, and digitising stuff can from those formats is, is, is expensive mm-hmm. so if you've got like a bag of 8mm reels you've got no way to play it but you don't know what's on it you're not going to want to spend yeah. a couple of hundred <laughs> quid get it back and it's it just be somebody's birthday party yeah. so then that was the idea as well so it's like finding a way for people to, like I've done, I'm helping people to digitise stuff if they need it. Mm-hmm. But it's maybe that's a, a, a thing to look at as well. Like the like the film archive, the moving image archive, they do that, but 
like the sheer volumes of stuff is I can imagine it's massive, isn't it? And, yeah. and digitizing stuff takes a just take a long time. Mm-hmm. But that's the idea. It's like kind of like finding stuff, and now's the time to do it because maybe the generation who film stuff and might be sitting in people's lofts and yeah. things, and maybe if people are passing away and families don't know what to do with it, it just kind of gets yeah. chucked or lost or something. But it's really valuable. Uh, artifacts it's like modern artifacts it's like social history yeah. of the northeast and not just the northeast it just so happens this is based in the northeast but it'll happen all over the country yeah and I think really cool I think this is like um, I guess like you know you know obviously being in Scotland I think there's a kind of thing as well like because um, you know not to get that like, too political here but you know coming Brexit coming around and Scotland wants mm-hmm. to be for independence and I was kind of felt like being in Scotland like Scottish people are very keen to hold on to their in that unique kind of identity. Right. I think something like this as well, especially for like local communities, it does offer that nostalgia, but also kind of like, oh, this is our community. And I kind of feel like um, what I kind of do is saying like, oh, everything's created community, you know, let's kind of elevate ourselves a bit more and let's kind of actually support each mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. Just like, you know, for like, obviously, the Facebook community has changed dramatically yeah. over the years. Right. Absolutely. And, and do you think that maybe that kind of all the stuff that you see there, that kind of, and those old archives, all that kind of community, in the sense that maybe this archive could kind of reinvigorate that kind of, I don't know, that kind of thoughts of community, you know, with those like small communities like in Fraserburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think um, some places have maybe uh, lost like a sense of place. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of like, I think, I guess like nostalgia and kind of looking at this stuff and kind of, as you say, reinvigorate it. Yeah. Um, I think with the identity thing as well, uh, I think there's a push just now you probably noticed and a lot of people have it's like for the, the Doric dialect yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of ways to people are thinking about how to represent it and frame it within modern culture Yeah. but um, the thing is it's like I, I kind of speak I don't really speak Doric I do kind of but it's like because it's like my mum and the other side of the family are from Persia I kind of like even though I grew up in the, in the Broch and, yeah. uh, my dad's from there and things it's like I kind of spoke a mix of the two but like I, I fully appreciate and understand it and grew up around it yeah. but um, yes it's like when we were at school and when previous generations were at school it was all like do not speak dialect it's like speak speaking Queen's English <laughs> but then now I think people are realising that um, we should find ways to preserve it and I think that's that's a great thing oh definitely man yeah. but the thing is that the dialect itself has changed and evolved over time and like a lot of these words are being lost okay. so I think that's the idea to kind of keep it because like in some of the films that I've got and the interviews that Jim Taylor did you'll hear people using words that maybe not frequently now used okay. and he even noticed that as well he said okay. that he could tell that he says it doesn't exist now but he could tell the difference between somebody from Gamery like Gardenstown mm-hmm. and Pennon and Fraserway all around there even though it's like 20 oh, miles okay. he could tell the subtle differences and he said they're all kind of gone now okay so from that context that's a kind of interesting thing to look at but I think Doric as well has its modern applications mm-hmm. and its modern uses and it can be used in kind of like artwork and different kind oh, yeah, of yeah you don't see people doing that like uh, I've seen a lot of that over the years of you know using Doric like phrases and stuff mm-hmm. like in artwork and stuff and I think that's really cool because then that appeals to a younger different generation uh, or different group of, different group of people as yeah. well you know it's like what does that mean and actually taking that time to go and like you know research you know mm-hmm. these kind of like 
dialects and actually what does it actually mean and stuff uh, like that you know like I feel it's kind of weird for me as well because like I can understand Doric but obviously I'm, yeah. I'm not stupid enough to go and try and speak it especially on mic <laughs> I think you should yeah, no. <laughs> but no, no that first day there's almost like you know like oh I didn't care like uh, I think like my first game to have it is like what you don't care yeah. how rude you know like <laughs> but then it's just kind of like oh, okay it's just like a natural and then more time obviously like 15 years I've been here and I was like okay that's what that means or oh, that's what this oh, means yeah. and stuff as well but I think it's kind of like for me I was kind of like champion those kind of things like things that are kind of culturally kind of different and also like you know the ownership of that mm-hmm. as well because obviously different parts of Scotland people speak differently you can definitely tell from someone from Edinburgh oh, or yeah. Glasgow compared to like Doric yeah, yeah. I think that Doric is in its own right it's a unique kind of like you know language can I say mm-hmm. language? yeah language you know it's a unique yeah, language yeah because yeah. I well like the, the dialect it's interesting because um, I was just speaking to somebody the other day because mm-hmm. when I did the well when my dad did the translation yeah. it was like looking at spellings mm-hmm. and um it was kind of kind of thought it would be better to write stuff phonetically oh, because yeah. there is like a Scots language and it's like as some people would argue that's how you should be writing things yeah. and that's how people pronounce them how it's spelled like for example like um, like to say like what's wrong like fits a D mm. fits a D with you yeah. so it's like D like D-E-E yeah. whereas like the Scots language would say spell it D-A-E okay. which would be like what's a day with you yeah. which is more like like central Scotland yeah, yeah. so it's like but then somebody I was speaking to the other day it was uh, Charlie Buchan mm. um, a well known character yeah. he was saying that he was at a conference recently and the lady who presented it was about uh, the Doric dialect mm. and the lady who presented it said you'll all have different pronunciations and different spellings and different ideas about the language because you're all from different places mm-hmm. so for us it was kind of like looking at it how people in Fraser I would say it as opposed mm-hmm. to which would differ maybe from somebody in Aberdeen even yeah. though it's like all the dialect yeah, and yeah. somebody who lives in Keith and mm-hmm. all these things are all different mm-hmm. but um, I think like it's, it's amazing that people are doing stuff to kind of preserve the, the dialect and things but sometimes it can be a bit kind of like prescribed and people it's like almost like using it for the sake of it and it almost yeah. becomes like a novelty or a gimmick or ah, yeah, yeah. and there's some people when you use it in like a naturalistic way because it's like some people it's like it's not just something that should be studied it's something that they live with yeah. and that's their culture <laughs> and then because you've got people like uh, Char- like I just talked about Charlie yeah. like he's got his fit like records yeah. and there's some people in there like um, Death Letter who Xander uh, he did an album I don't know if you've heard that but he like a lot of it was kind of sung in Doric just okay. because it was for him it was natural to sing yeah. so it's like it wasn't like like, I'm going to make like a Doric album and <laughs> I'll think about how I'm going to say these things. He just sung it as he was. Oh, yeah, as he is, yeah. Right, and yeah. it's the same, like, uh, Chemical Column. Oh, yeah. And, like, the Tryptamines. It's, like, Chemical Column's exactly the same. Like, a lot of stuff, like, his artwork and music and things. And it's, like, he just lives it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't think anything. He's not thinking, oh, I'm doing this to preserve the culture. It's, yeah. like, that is, that's what it is. Yeah. And that comes out in his art. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very naturalistic thing. Yeah. So, that's the thing. It's, like, finding the balance, maybe, to for, like not forcing it for the sake of it to preserve yeah, it but then yeah. I think it's a good thing that things are being I, done as well I had this thing as well a kind of similar thing I see like um, like um, my family's from Jamaica and there's a, a point I think um, like in school we see a lot I see a lot in England the people like kids all different kind of races speaking Patois and I kind of find that really weird like yeah. um, Patois um, for no one doesn't know um, is obviously kind of like Jamaican dialect made up of like 
different pronunciations from either of um, French and an African, like, um, kind of just like, language that they're kind of like, I think they've kind of found a way to communicate with each other. Mm. So there's always kind of different words and then mean different things. Right. Like, you know, in different countries, like in Africa, like Pitney means like child and it's like, there's something like Una means like, like you lot and stuff mm. like that. There's always kind of different kind of like, dialects that people in Jamaica use. I always find it kind of weird when I see like people who are not from that mm-hmm. start using those kind of yeah. like words and stuff. But like it's kind of like, but do you know what that means? Uh, <laughs> you know, like why are you saying this? Yeah. Can you say something and it's like really offensive or you know, you just don't actually know you're just saying that because obviously it's come culturally. I guess uh, like, you know, through media and stuff, it's kind of been like, oh that's that's the way cool people should be speaking mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think it's kinda of like, yeah, it's getting that kind of like balance kind of right. Like yeah. for me, I'm not from here. I'm no. not born here and I'm never gonna be trying to use Doric and anything I kinda of do because I, uh, I look like an idiot. Yeah. I look like a fool. But it's just like I think that I'm very respectful that people preserving that, you know, that 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 dialect but, yeah, and uh, holding on to it. But I still think there's that kind of bit you're right about people just kind of use and say, no, well, how can I make this really f- cool and interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference between someone saying, no, that's just me, this is where I speak, and mm-hmm. not being ashamed of that and just right. owning that, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, definitely, but yeah. like, for me, like anything, it's kind of, people, I just do their own thing. It's like, yeah. it's all, it's all kind of good. And like, yeah. obviously, like, I, the person I was going to say as well, like Shane Strachan, the stuff he does is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing a project with Frida Strachan. Yeah. I don't think they're, they're not related. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I thought that was related. They're not, no. <laughs> but, they're doing a project because Freedom's on the podcast mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and they're doing a project together which sounds really really cool Yeah, uh, with Frida's weaving and like Shane's uh, poetry and stuff yeah. so Not stuff like that it's that, really yeah. cool yeah. but it should, that's why I think it should just kind of be uh, naturalistic but it doesn't really apply to what I did because mm. I was looking at it from the past yeah. but oh, that's just how I kind of see the state of things now but cool and I think for you as well like I saw in like the Press and Journal article yesterday you know that I was thinking, like, I saw this as, like, TV producer in Mongolia. And obviously, that was when you was on your travels around the world. Oh, and also, like, you're a musician as well. Oh, also, well, um, yeah. <laughs> I'd say And also, like, you, you know, produced and directed some like, music videos as well. Mm-hmm. I think you'll be doing, oh, I shouldn't have said that now, it? but maybe going into the new year. Oh, we'll be kind of doing more. Yeah, well. you know. So, obviously, you're a multi-talented guy. You're kind of like, oh, just downplaying it. Like, ah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've kind of, I, I don't know, it's like, I know a lot of people, not in the creative community, but yeah. like, in, like from like playing in bands and yeah. stuff before. So I guess it was kind of always, I, I don't know, like one of these people was kind of on the fringes and stuff. Okay. Like, because I studied, I ended up in Mongolia because I studied uh, like TV mm-hmm. at college. And yeah. then I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, eh. Uh, I'll go to Mongolia. <laughs> well, I found like a like a volunteering opportunity okay. online, and I could go there and like volunteer as like uh, within a TV studio. So I thought for me it'd be kind of good because at the time this was like two thousand and nine. At the time, it's maybe slightly better now, but at the time, if you wanted any experience in that industry, you had to go and do unpaid work in like London or Glasgow yeah, or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Which I think to an extent is still kind of the case, mm-hmm. but I kind of figured I'll just go there. If I had to do it unpaid, I might as well go and see something while I'm doing oh, it. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up there. But when I was there, I was sitting in like a gear, you know, like a yurt. Yeah. So like I, when I first went there, I was like, I ended up in a house with this Dutch guy, right? right? Who was like designing, packaging 
for fireworks Aye. in China and then came down to Mongolia to work in the TV studio. So okay. it was him and me <laughs> and then this uh, uh, couple who were like, just probably, I don't know, probably about the same age as us, but their family had like a girl, like a yurt okay. in the countryside. And we were out there and while we were there, they had a TV because not a lot of folk realise, but they've all got TVs and satellite dishes outside yeah. these in the middle of nowhere. Aye. But there was like on the TV, there was a Australian girl came on and it was like an English language programme. And I was like, oh, it's really cool that they do this here. And it'd be like, it would be interesting to kind of meet them, but you don't know how you meet people like that. But yeah. it turns out Mongolia's only got a million people. And if you're a non-Mongolian person living in uh, Ulaanbaatar, you kind of know what they want. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it was basically like, oh, I wonder if I'll ever meet people like that within like two days more at a party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, so then I kind of got to know them. And then, so I was only going to be there for three months, but then just by chance she was leaving at the time. So then she's like, oh, somebody's uh, managed a position to take over. Right. And uh, it was funded with uh, VSO, okay. like Voluntary Services Overseas. And it was kind of like the idea was to create like an English language programme so people could, instead of just important TV, English TV, like Mongolians could watch it and kind of like use it to learn English and oh, okay. kind of look at it, but right. it would be stories that were relevant to them. But it was art was in theory, but it was just... It was interesting, but it was a bit of a nightmare in practice because oh, right. it's a former communist country and a yeah. lot of the... It was on a Mongolian national broadcaster, so a lot of the formats and themes and stuff are dictated yeah. uh, by them. So it was kind of a bit... It was what it was. Yeah. But it was a funny time before, like, YouTube was big. Oh, so okay. now, like, everyone's on screen, everyone's on TV, but yeah. in 2009, it was just kind of like... kind of was starting, picking up. Oh, yeah. So, like, we made, like, a... Like a half hour TV show, it was broadcast weekly, mm. and I just went and interviewed people and did all that. And but Mongolia was an interesting place because it was kind of like you could go there and everyone you knew was like kind of like ended up like I did, and I was like, oh, I just kind of went as a volunteer, and then ended up having like a weekly TV show and then like another girl I know uh, she was like oh she'd turn up and then two weeks later she was like the editor of the English newspaper <laughs> and then somebody else was like a news reporter yeah. and like all this stuff there's so many interesting people but yeah. it just kind of everyone just came and did all this stuff so oh, that's really cool, it was cool man. that sounds really interesting uh, oh, it was, that was good and then I came back and then aye so like I played I've played in bands and stuff yeah. over the years as well but mm. played with like Charlie Bucking again yeah third name check for him <laughs> I do stuff with him and like C.S. Buckin and Reverend Shepard and also played on like the Best Girl Athlete album with his daughter Katie and played some gigs with him and recorded bass on the first uh, Trip to Means album with Chemical Callum okay. so it was really cool but cool. again it's like it's not my music it's just I happen to know people that are very talented and right. <laughs> I, I can kind of like I'm not even on a coat I'm taking a credit or anything but it's just it's cool because it's like it's cool to be surrounded by people that are doing interesting projects yeah, that you yeah. can just kind of get freely involved with so that's kind of how I ended up with that that's and really then cool. making Charlie's music video yeah Cool. That's a really cool music video as well. I like that. Well. Oh, yeah. It was really good. Well, it was like Joe Muir, who's been on here as well. Yeah. She uh, she did all the design and everything. Right. And we did everything together. It was really cool. And it's like a space theme and then making planets with uh, milk. Like the oh, planets yeah. in the background are made with like milk. They would drop like different colours and, and swirled around and then put it on. And oh, it was really cool. Yeah, it's actually filmed here. And that room wasn't it? Was, it was, I. Was it now a bit down at the beach, Aberdeen Beach, was it? Uh, the uh, Forvey. 
before we... Is that what we, it's called? Yeah, oh, yeah. Out the yeah. road. Like, the Sahara of the Northeast, <laughs> as it's known. And so we, we went there, but we wanted to go up to, like, there was this amazing thing, I had an idea, it's like, right, we'll go up in the sand dune. And so we went along, and uh, Joe and Charlie were moaning because I made them walk through the sand dunes. Oh, it was getting dark, and it was, like, uphill and stuff, and we got to this bar, and I was like, here it is. And then there was a big sign saying, do not enter, uh, nesting birds. Right. So we wanted to kind of, like, go further along, but it's, uh, oh, it worked out well. Yeah, that was really good, man. And for you, then, moving forward into 2020, what have you got kind of planned or like on the cards? Um, well, I guess like we'll want to, I was speaking to Charlie, he's recorded some new stuff, so yeah. I'm hoping to make a, another video with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the archive, like mm-hmm. Fraserburn film, I'm hopefully going to continue that. And I've actually got a, a suitcase of uh, 8mm reels I was given that I still have to digitise, so okay. I'll be doing that, getting them on, and the other stuff people have got in contact with me over the past couple of days. Because it's an ongoing thing, I'll be doing that, and I don't know. Uh, that's the kind of only creative things I'll be doing, really. Yeah, but... like, sorry. No, but I think you never know what happened. No, like, I think it was maybe then it was make plans like twenty twenty or the next year. And be like, this Aye. is what I'm planning to do. Then something might like, curveball happen. Then you're doing a new project or something. So I made a plan to start uh, this year. Yeah, and it's not it's not come. In the fruition. Right. I wanted to make, like, <laughs> I wanted to make, like, uh, I was speaking to my friend Dan, uh, and he, like, he likes a bowl of ramen, right? right. So I said, this year is going to be my year. I'm going to perfect making ramen broth. I'm going to go right. to the effort and do it and do it with all the bones and everything. I've not. I've You've not, not done it. I've not touched a pig bone. No, you should be very <laughs> disappointed in yourself. So maybe <laughs> that should be an April <laughs> for 2020 to make uh, that. But um, no, I'm hoping that uh, the project is welcome. Maybe looking at getting funding for it. Yeah. Um, just in the short scale, get funding just to kind of keep it afloat for a little bit. Yeah. But also maybe look into ways of, as you said earlier, like how can we expand it and how can we kind of like make it as like a almost like a tool for people to use mm-hmm. and to learn for, but also maybe to expand to other areas and if that's a possibility and with our. Because right. I think, like, for me, when I said it's like I wanted to kind of take myself out, like, I've kind of done it, but it's like the full credit goes to the people who made these films. Yeah. It wasn't, like, I didn't make them. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, Jim Taylor, I was speaking about, it's like, what he has done is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, like, the amount of stuff he has is unbelievable. And if he could find a way to kind of get that out and to kind of celebrate that, but also, like, there's a story of him as well on top of that. Yeah. So maybe... I've, I've spoken to him he's got more stuff so it's, we're going to continually add from there that's really good get stuff from there so yeah. I guess that's the and I guess I guess like um, Fraser Burn Film um, where can people kind of find all the kind of social media stuff for that um, well you can look at the website it's uh, it's got it's own URL it's www.fraserburnfilm.com cool or Facebook it's like at Fraser Burn Film and also Instagram to see Awesome. So, uh, just got a few things. So, it's like on social media, obviously, keep people updated with what's being added and things. So. Cheers. Uh, That's really good. And, Andrew, thank you for being episode 80. Is it 80? Episode 80. Oh, episode amazing. 80 of the podcast. And, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this chat. And, yeah, we'll be back with you soon. All right, take care for now. So, 
So yeah, that was episode 80 with Andrew Davidson. I want to thank Andrew for coming on the podcast and speaking about Fraser on film. A really cool project. I'm going to put a link um, to the project in the episode description, so definitely check it out when you can. And moving forward, yeah, only a couple more chats left remaining before we finish up for um, 2019. So I will catch up with you guys soon. All right, take care for now.